Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Pakistan Cricket Podcast, Episode 21. The History of Pakistani Women's Cricket with Ayush Puthran, hosted by Zena Brazvi. Looks like it is recording. So uh, it's a pleasure to have Ayush, uh, who has written a wonderful book on the history of Pakistani women's cricket, um, who is joining us from India. And I also have somebody uh, who has actually read the book, unlike myself. Uh, so I'm kind of just tagging along here. Um, I'm also sick, so I will mostly be on mute here. Uh, she is a regular on the podcast, both as a guest and now quite regularly as a co-host. And today she will be basically the host. So welcome, Zainab. Hi, Sami. Thank you. Uh, a bit nervous about the first episode that I'm going to completely do. Not completely do, but mostly do myself. Basically so. completely do. Yeah, I'm just pressing record, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> Go ahead. Floor is yours. Okay. Uh, so, uh, hi, Ayush. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, welcome to the Pakistan Cricket Podcast. Um uh, we are here today to chat about your amazing book, uh, which is called uh, Unveiling Jazba, A History of Pakistan uh, Women's Cricket. So uh, before we do anything else, I'd really like to start off by uh, commending you for this excellent uh, compilation and how you go about your business of uh, narrating not only uh, the stories of the players, but uh, uh, uh how uh how uh, tell us about how the sport itself women's cricket evolved uh in pakistan uh because this is a story that not many f- fans of cricket in pakistan even fans like me and i consider myself a very uh involved fan uh were not nerd, uh, nerd. I would yeah, be nerd. Uh, these were stories that needed to be told and they're not as well known of so i i hope it's very widely read and uh these girls are very inspirational. Their, their stories uh, should be out there. So thank you for writing this book and writing it so well. Uh, so um, I, 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 I finished the book in, uh, in uh, two sittings. I could have finished it in one, but I was, uh, you wow. know, if, if I didn't have work or, I mean, it's written in a very uh, uh, easy to read style. It's like a story. So you're always looking forward to find out what happens next, what happens next. It's not like a, oh, wow. I know there's history in the title, but it's not like a boring history book. It's, uh, it's like in a story format. So, uh, it's very well written. So, uh, before we go on to discuss about, uh, like some of the things that I found really interesting in, in, in the, co- uh, in the content of the book, uh, I would like to like, uh, just know, uh, how you got into, uh, uh, the business of writing about uh, Pakistan women's cricket, especially your background from India. Uh, you you do mention at the end of the book that it just uh, came to you one day as you were sitting on your couch. But uh, uh, how, how did you, uh, uh, how did this transpire? What led you to writing this book? 
firstly thank you zainab thank you sami uh, for reading the book uh, i hope it has added value for the next time you ever watch pakistan women's team there's something some sort of a background that you have uh so this started out in 2019 i i had a broken leg and a, and i was on bed rest and one of my friends he had joined the pcb and he was given the responsibilities name name is asan nagi and he was given the responsibility to handle the media for the pakistan women's team so one day he just approached me he's like would you want to talk to the players i'm like yeah more than happy but i had almost forgotten because i had a broken leg so i was sort of partying with a lot of friends because they were always coming and meeting me and all of that because i was bored in life uh so one day he just called me up and he's like you wanted to talk right so the players are ready uh in the next half an hour and i panicked because i didn't know enough about pakistan mm-hmm. women's team the only time i had ever seen them play was when they were playing against india and from 2012 to 2018 every time india and pakistan played more or less they always ran them close twice they even beat them so i was under the impression that maybe the pakistani players are just like the indians uh, just as good and maybe with similar stories and all of that so i went to search because whenever you're interviewing an international cricketer it is respectful that you know something mm-hmm. about them that you do your background but when i went so i was going to interview five cricketers bisma maru from lahore nida dar from gujranwala uh, kainat imtiaz from karachi nahida khan from balochistan and uh, dina beg from gilgit so uh, it was on me that i sort of research on them and there was absolutely nothing available about them uh, on their cricket so i went and spoke to them like i would talk to these local domestic cricketers in india like who are you what do you do where are you from uh but when i heard their stories it was incredibly moving and it was it sort of shocked me because it can't be the story of everyone because i thought the stories would be similar to that of the indian cricketers and with indian cricketers almost every interview i've read every player i have spoken to the same story my father was interested mm-hmm. in cricket or oh, my brother i used to play with my brother that's how i got into uh, cricket but with pakistani players it was almost like they're hiding from their own brothers their fathers sometimes even their mothers their neighbors and playing and these are cricketers who have reached the international level so imagine those who could never even make it to the international level what would their stories be like so that is sort of something that fascinated me and the very fact so the point of this book was to document stories of their cricket each and every game that they have played but it was almost impossible to tell the stories of what happened on the field without telling what was going on uh, be- beyond this so i had to like the first half is literally trying to just give a background of what was going on uh, behind the scenes to explain why teams are winning teams are losing how this team is growing through the years so yeah that is how it started for me absolutely building on of that uh, about uh, your preparation uh, for the interviews and your interviews itself so uh, uh, you, you mentioned that some players were uh, on board immediately but you also mentioned in the book that uh, one of the pioneers of the game in pakistan shahzia khan was not initially on board and it took her uh, a while to uh, be convinced but uh, obviously narrating the story uh, of pakistan how pakistan women's cricket came to be uh, became that much easier when she uh, agreed so uh, if you could talk a little bit about uh, um, <clears throat> how difficult or easy it was in general to get uh, players comfortable enough 
to talk about their journeys and especially talk about uh, some of the conflicts that they have with each other, their personality caches, and how did you build trust with them? Like, uh, basically, uh, how do you interview well? That's what I'm trying to learn here. <laughs> uh, so, yes, the first cricketer I spoke to and uh, the one who agreed to help me out with this, uh, for three years after that, she never responded to any of my emails, to my calls after agreeing to come on board. So yeah, that became difficult. It took me at least say around seven to eight months for the first cricketer to talk to me. And that was, I think, Kiran Baloch. And that trust came from a, a journalist by the name Afia Salam. She was possibly the oldest, the first woman sports journalist of Pakistan. And she trusted me and she was the one who sort of spoke to Shaiza and Kiran. So uh, Kiran Baloch, of course, was the first person to open up. So she told me the entire story. And even uh, because she's extremely close to Shaiza. So she told me the entire story. I did have the entire story. But by the time I reached to Shaiza, it took like, it was one month before my uh, submission deadline that Shaiza agreed to speak. Uh, because of which I had to cancel a lot of interviews. I'm like, no, everyone aside, I have to speak to Shaiza right now. And uh, it took yeah, it took two years of convincing Shaiza. It took one and a half years of convincing Sana Mir to talk to me. Uh, but the other cricketers, those who were contracted with PCB, they, of course, came on board much easily. And I think with each passing player, the trust developed. And I could sort of see that the good side of it and even the negatives of my interviews, like after a point, all the cricketers would come and tell me, listen, I have to go out after half an hour, 45 minutes. <laughs> Because I had this tendency of having these really long two-hour, four-hour long interviews and all of that. So you know that they're exchanging notes. But uh, it was that much easier with each passing player that trust uh, was coming through. Initially, it was difficult because, yes, you are a guy from India. Why do you want to interview us? Uh, Because I don't know how many journalists in Pakistan actually interview them about their cricket. So, uh, yes, I mean, I'll tell you with uh, Javeria Khan, Jerry, as she's known, uh, that interview, one hour into the interview, I, so I was talking over the phone, that Zoom call was over the phone, and I was recording it on my laptop, on this online uh, portal or whatever it is called, online voice recorder. And one hour into the interview, uh, I lost my internet. So the entire recording is lost. Oh, Sorry, Javeria, oh. if you're listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But yeah, and then it's embarrassing too because Javeria is possibly the most entertaining speaker, the most entertaining storyteller. She's extremely witty. So even if I get the information, I'll not get the details of how she sort of described situations and all of that. So yes, there were a a few bloopers, technical bloopers that happened. Uh, But yes, I think it became easier with each passing player, with each passing journalist. Uh, a lot of them came on board much outside the realm of uh, Pakistan cricket itself. Somebody like uh, Munize Jahangir, who has nothing to do with cricket, but she was somebody who could guide me in a lot of places related to the politics, to the culture, to history. So, uh, yes, and Essen was sort of the backbone of this entire project because he was the one who helped me get in touch with a lot of people, whether it's within cricket, outside of that um yeah that 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 helped and over the years of course i was writing for crick buzz on pakistan women's cricket so the kind of stories that were coming through were also 
uh, sort of I don't know, hopefully building some trust and faith with the players. So that is how it I went about this entire. Can I just story. ask a quick follow up? You said Javeria was like a really entertaining sort of uh, character, and could you give us some stories mm-hmm. for somebody who you know I have I haven't interacted with her personally, so I'm kind of curious what sort of um, what's her wit like, or what some stories you have uh, from talking to her. It's it's extremely difficult to explain her humor because it is firstly very smart. So you don't know when it's going to come and strike you. <laughs> She's talking to you seriously. There's one line, and it changes the mood. You talk to her about the centuries, and she'll just go about how sad that day was. <laughs> uh, she, she is a very good storyteller. So she has this knack of. You know, uh, if it's a bad moment, she'll somehow make it funny. I, I remember she was telling me about the story of being in New Zealand, and there's an earthquake that's happening and rocking. And she's nicely uh, uh, trying to put her towel to dry, putting taking the phone out of charge instead of running down because the building might collapse anytime. She's in some 19th floor or something, and just the way she does it, it is natural to her. It's difficult to explain, but it is. very smart sometimes dry there's a lot of sarcasm that comes through uh, yeah I, i mean a natural storyteller absolutely natural oh, great would love to interview her sometime sorry zena go ahead yeah uh, that was a very interesting story that uh, uh, that you mentioned in the book as well about how the players coped with the uh, earthquake in, in new zealand um so one of the people that you didn't Uh, get to interview uh, was uh, Uruj uh, and um, uh, uh, now I'll, I'll, I'll uh, do a bit of storytelling here myself. So uh, Uruj is uh, uh, as uh, we all know is like a dentist and uh, the dental college she went into. I went to the same dental college. So uh, I'm not a dentist, but uh, uh, I, I studied for one year in that same uh, college. I, I hated dentistry, so I could. But uh, at that time, I was beginning to blog, and there was um, by my blog had a small readership. But uh, once, uh, uh, and her mother, uh, Doctor Azmat Mumtaz, uh, was uh, our family dentist. Uh, so uh, there was a, a Times journalist or some English journalist who wanted to like uh, uh, reach out to. Uh, a Pakistani cricketer, and it, uh, they emailed me because uh, I was a blogger, and I was like, "Okay, I can give you the phone number of my dentist. Maybe that's how you can reach them." <laughs> so uh, 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 that I, I remember, I, I I read the book, and I was thinking about uh, Uruj. So um, uh, she since uh, uh, she was a part of uh, that early period. She was a captain, but then she. Uh, she quit to focus on her studies and then she came back and she was uh uh you know uh, kind of in a similar role to miss bar she was on a lot of different uh, roles together on on the cricket committee and the coach so uh, how um, i get, of course you were disappointed but how, how did you how difficult was it to narrate that story of the evolution of pakistan women's cricket without having uh, her perspective uh, uh, on it Uh, extremely difficult because i remember there there three ca- characters who really divided opinions uh, one was shaiza one was sana and one was uruj so there was a point i had the entire story with me but these were the three people who didn't speak to me and three big mm. characters not speaking to me uh, and especially when they're dividing opinions so sana did speak to me eventually one and a half years down the line 
Shaiza spoke to me two years down the line. Uruj Dane. So that is why there is a disclaimer right at the start that everything that is said about Uruj, her version doesn't exist. Um, so her version either doesn't exist or has been taken from uh, secondary sources, other interviews or write-ups that she's written. So yes, it is extremely difficult. I mean, because she's a huge, huge figure in Pakistan cricket's evolution, even then, even now. And these are people who are really dividing opinions. They're, they're strong characters by themselves, have played a huge part in uh, the story of Pakistan cricket. Uh, as much as it was necessary that I get Uruj on board, uh, I did speak to her, their emails, their phone calls, their messages, everything is there. Uh, but uh, she didn't agree and it's beyond me after a point. So not the best thing for the story, but I did try and she did know I was writing this book. So uh, if it's, it's, I mean, players write to not speak. So Absolutely. I was just curious. You said they divide opinion. Could you explain what you mean by that? Like, what is what are the sort of strong opinions about them? Uh, just to give us a clue about that. See, uh, most of the Pakistani cricketers, as uh, Sanamir would say, and you'd actually figure that out even if you talk to others in the setup. There is a tendency or a need to be uh, the stereotypical good girl. So they'll not pick up fights. They'll not get into arguments. If somebody's shouting, they'll just put their heads down, lower their eyes and probably cry. Some of them do cry. They're not people who get into friction uh, or take things head on, which was not the case with the Shaiza. She would fight. Sana would fight. Uruj is, uh, is in the center of a lot of mess throughout. Uh, so her version was important that uh, we can't just take somebody else's version and just... Uh, right about that. There was a case in uh, 2005 or six. There was a match between Lahore and Karachi. And after which Shaiza, Kiran Baloch, your trendsetters of Pakistan cricket, the trailblazers, they left the game because they suspected that, uh, say, Asana Amir and Uruj Mumtaz sort of underperformed. Now, in this regard, Asana Amir gave her point of view. If there is a Roshamonic situation, Sanamir gave her point of view. There were other cricketers who came to give Sanami's point of view as well. And Sanami, I mean, that was a point, you know, even when Sanami didn't speak to me, there were a lot of people coming and talking about Sanamir for Sanamir and defending her at all times, which didn't happen with the Nuruj Mumtaz. Even with Shaiza, at least there was one Kiran Baloch who would just defend mm-hmm. her till the end, uh, which wasn't the case with Uruj Mumtaz. So that was an issue. Even when Sanamir was dropped from the side. Uruj, Bisma Maruf has made her stand clear that, listen, I wanted her. It was not my choice to drop her. So then the entire focus goes on Uruj Mumtaz. And because there was always this friction between Sana and Uruj, uh, it was important to find out why Uruj took certain mm-hmm. decisions. Uh, what was her reasoning behind all of this, which was happening for every other cricketer or even administrators. There were people who were, even if they were saying something negative about somebody else, there was a positive side mm-hmm. to it as well. Uruj, except for the Indian cricketers, yeah, there were some Indian cricketers who absolutely loved Uruj, but their experience with her was limited. Uh, there were not too many people from the Pakistani setup defending her. So that was an issue. Yes. Thank you. Sorry, Zainab. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say that you'll have to read the book to find out. I, I don't I don't want to give like the spoiler and tell the whole story. So I, in, in asking the questions, I was mindful to like uh, keep some of those bits 
uh, intact of the story and just like uh, give out enough to get the conversation going. Sorry, uh, I can't help it. <laughs> so, uh, personally, for me, the most intriguing part of like how uh, the game in Pakistan evolved was uh, how it uh, went on from basically being. Uh, almost an amateur sport being uh, under the patronage of uh, Shazia her sister and their very rich family uh, from very elite class backgrounds to a very gradual process where they had to relinquish their power and and as the BCB formally took control of the game and from there it spread to you know the hinterlands of the country where today you have cricketers from Balochistan Chaman and mm-hmm. you know Gilgit Uh, Diana and all parts of Pakistan, the hinterlands of the country coming. So uh, again, Ayush, uh, I, 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 this may be like asking you to summarize the whole book, but uh, would you like to unpack for our listeners uh, how the the culture of the team has evolved, like from '96 to right now, in terms of uh, where the players are coming from, what's the environment like around the team, how how, how has that like. Uh, from the um, how the sport has become more mainstream in in uh, 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 sort of like if you could synthesize that for us what what amuses me so for those who don't know uh, women's cricket was run by a different board before say 2005 across the world uh, it it came under IWCC which later merged with ICC in 2005 so in every country, whether it's Pakistan, whether it is India, wherever, Australia, it was run by a separate board, body altogether. And one very interesting thing, whether it's in India or even in Pakistan, you'd find a lot more media coverage of women's cricket when before it merged with, say, a PCB or a BCCI. Even before it came under BCCI, you would, there are traces of matches happening in front of 40,000 odd people, 50,000 wow. odd people in India. Even in Pakistan, it's a lot easier to find coverage of Shaiza Khan's team than PCB's team, uh, which which sort of amuses me. Maybe because it was run by few people, they took the responsibility of ensuring that uh, people come in. There's more media coverage rather than the tokenism that's happening with these boats, where they know okay, men's cricket is what's going to get us money, and our entire focus is there. So that always happened. But once it came under PCB, of course, they had more of a structural reach because there was already reach to say the Rawalpindi's, Multans and other parts of Pakistan uh, via men's cricket. So they could take the structures there. And of course, Shaiza Khan now, she was extremely rich as you know, Zainab just explained. They had a carpet factory. So back then they, they were running cricket out of their own pockets, touring New Zealand, spending around, I don't know, 20 lakh odd rupees uh, in 1997. Uh, to not just take themselves, but the entire team, their kit bags, their passports, visas and everything. Uh, But after a point of time, the moment it came under PCB, now you'll find interestingly, you pick up any of the top cricketers. I mean, even now, cricket is centered around Karachi and Lahore. That is where the structures largely are for women Mm -hmm. cricketers. But if you see the top cricketers, where are they coming from? Nida Dash is from Gujranwala. Uh, Ali Riaz is from Rawalpindi. Diana Beg is from Gilgit. Uh, there is uh, Nahida Khan coming from Balochistan. There's a very, very interesting uh, Aisha Naseem. She is one along with Fatima Sana, the future of Pakistan cricket. All right. You've not had a battle like her. 
she uh, comes from abbottabad but she is largely brought up in karachi okay she now has the comfort of coming through the karachi ranks but she tells one very interesting thing she is like if i continue playing from karachi it won't i won't make any difference the moment i go to abbottabad and uh, families there see that a girl is playing maybe that will normalize it for them to send their daughters mm-hmm. to play and these they they making a lot more difference than just coming out on the field and whacking a few sixes or taking mm-hmm. a few wickets so this is the current fabric of the pakistan team that it is spreading across and you'll see people uh, saba nazir again i don't want to divulge too many details about her life it's incredible the kind of uh, battle she has fought just to be able to play uh and uh, s- people coming from lower income backgrounds uh from uh, rural areas distant lands where you know there are times uh, certain players can't make it for practice because well there is some blast somewhere or the weather conditions have changed or you know now the flight is not taking off from there and all of that so yes there is a huge change in terms of just the diversity of players that have come into the setup they're no more just from you know people from army backgrounds mm-hmm. or people from uh, fairly well to do financially uh, families yeah yeah the the uh, saba is the girl that uh, repeatedly suffered from typhoid uh, right so uh, her story was really one of the many inspiring stories in the book uh, how she used to bike for one and a half hour from her hostel to get to the ground it was like uh one of my favorite stories from the book um uh and you you talk about the diversity and how the sport has spread uh and so building off of that uh i think it's important because this was one of my biggest takeaways from the book uh in terms of like how uh how there are uh, the attitudes towards um uh the idea of women playing cricket and how they have evolved so uh my takeaway was that it can be a inaccurate and even maybe even unhelpful to characterize those as uh, just like binary that either they're encouraged or discouraged so uh, you know as with women's participation in other aspects of uh, public and social life in pakistan they tend to be impacted by lots of other variables apart from gender like your social class your ethnicity and so on so and all of these different social vectors can you know overlap and intersect as people's uh, subjectivity around their idea of uh, uh women playing sport pans out so would you agree that it's not like binary and how would you describe like how has the situation evolved do you think it's more and i i'd like to think it's more favorable now uh for uh, the, the societal attitudes have evolved it's got better but uh you know uh, uh we can't narrate the story of uh uh women's cricket in pakistan uh, without saying that yes it's generally not conducive but there is more to it yeah of course it's not binary and i would be the worst person as a man in india sitting and uh, uh, i don't know making that uh, judgment so uh, it is in sanami's words sanami probably puts it across like you said in the last few paragraphs of the introduction chapter itself that it is not about uh, mean men all the time yes there are people who are trying to control and all of that but largely it is like families have to take the responsibility of what the society is going to throw at them 
So for a father to know that your daughter is going to go and be in a place where they're not going to be proper beds, proper food and all of that, would you want your daughter to go through that? And other, a lot of other social factors that Sanami talks about. So it is, yes, it is far more complex. And especially because I was initially writing this for the UK audience, because that is where my publisher was. So to put it down for them, that it is not as simple as you can see it, because yes, in the subcontinent, we know the number of challenges that can come. And it is not just about a father encouraging the daughter or discouraging, like you rightly said, um, so, yes, I mean, I put it in Sanami's words as she said it, because I can't be the one making that judgment uh, sitting here in India, especially as a man, to understand those challenges. So that's why you'd see the book is entirely filled with a lot of quotes and quotes and quotes and quotes uh, instead of what our usual ex- style of writing should be, wherein you, the author has to bring his own uh, ideas into a book. I stayed away from it in this, uh, but I completely agree with you, uh, Zainab. Yeah, and uh, uh, as we keep hearing from the stories that come out of the Pakistan men's team, some of these challenges, uh, even we heard that how Haris Rao's father discouraged him from playing. It's uh, uh, People want a secure livelihood. It's not often clear. Uh, uh, even with men's cricket, uh, if people are going to make it to the top flight. So it's that much uh, out in the grey for uh, women's cricket. So it's... it's uh, it can be very easy to just paint that, you know, Pakistani society doesn't want, uh, is, is not conducive for women to play in cricket. Yes, it's not, but there is a lot more, uh, to it. And I'm, I'm glad that it came out, uh, from, uh, uh, from the way you narrated the stories. Uh, so moving on, uh, to, uh, some of the cricket, uh, the, the players, uh, play themselves. So, um, I, I, I think it would be disservice not to talk a little bit more about Sana Amir and because she's, Arguably, I mean, I shouldn't even say arguably. She's probably the best, uh, greatest Pakistani women's cricket ever. Uh, she became the first player to achieve like number one in the ODI rankings. She has, uh, two Asian, uh, medals. I mean, I, I was like, why don't we celebrate? When I finished reading the book, I was like, uh, why don't enough people know this? I mean, I should have known this, uh, but, uh, uh, you know, uh, um, so can we talk more about her, uh, you know, legacy? Uh, and would you say this is like a very specific question that her tenure, uh, uh, as captain and that period between 2008 and 14 when they won two medals and, you know, they had, they beat India. Uh, that was perhaps the, so far the highest point of Pakistan, uh, women's cricket history. Uh, Yes, maybe yes, yes, yes. And uh, her legacy, again, you know, it's it's very interesting because a lot of people say, yes, Sanamir had it easy. She could just, you know, walk out and say, I want to play and she got a chance to play, which wasn't the case with a lot of other players. But at the same time, when you speak to the players and the coaches and everybody is saying one thing that Sanamir made me feel comfortable. And even now, as late as Fatima Sana who's come through, she didn't know if there was a Pakistan women's team. All she knew was there was a Sanamir. Uh, that she's the only player she knew of. I know of international cricketers from other countries who played against Pakistan, who do commentary on Pakistan team, know of no one except Sanamir. Uh, this is the case with a lot of other people who say that, yes, they follow Pakistan women's cricket, they support them, but they can't name more than five cricketers. And Sanamir is the first cricketer that comes to mind. Mm-hmm. So yes, Sanamir sort of 
brought cricket to the front pages she brought this awareness because again a lot of players would tell you that they did not know of the existence of uh, women's cricket uh, a women's cricket team uh, saba nazir would tell you she didn't know that girls could even play they are even allowed to play so the moment you see these photos and these players these achievements and they're coming on the front pages when india beats pakistan uh, or they're winning the gold medal again that gold medal was probably not a great cricketing achievement because they beat teams like china and thai thailand and bangladesh but it brought cricket to the front pages because no other pakistani team across sporting disciplines uh, won a gold medal so sana meer made these girls who were, didn't have the kind of confidence didn't have the kind of comfort uh she shielded them and and also of course popularized the sport so yes the, the legacy of sana meer is far far beyond what we can understand and that's why i i pakistan cricket is extremely lucky to have her they probably don't realize it i mean we see a lot of times with men's cricket all the chopping changing all the fights and god knows all that happens and you'll see that you know in other teams that a captain is just the captain on the field sana meer gave them a space within that field to feel comfortable where they were seeing people like them uh, who had fought through the kind of challenges that they did because they were not seeing that that around uh, where they were staying it's only at the ground in lahore or karachi where they would all assemble they would find people like them and sanami became that leader a very natural leader and pakistan cricket is extremely lucky to have her uh, so yes there was a legacy she created but yes the other criticism is she had it easy because she came from the camp but again that's not mm-hmm. her fault so yeah i mean you you can't hold somebody's like privilege against them then you know why were you privileged and even even in her privilege she had to convince her father and it was not uh, simple it was probably her struggles were um not as pronounced as the others but uh, uh, the, the way she the, the embraced that role of like almost like a mother figure for the team i was so um uh, touching she even coached I, i read that she even like she was even coaching the players on on their studies like because the parents were concerned about wow. you know them missing out on their education and what if they don't they're, they're not good they don't end up being you know big in cricket so she was even tutoring them so even uh, from bitma mahadev in 2005 to uh, fatima sana in 2019 like sana meer has been a teacher for almost all the players who have graduated amazing. from the team it's amazing hello it is ryan and i was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com i looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing they were also playing chumba casino Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at thirty thousand feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. Eighteen plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place. to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW report prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Plus. Yeah, so 
moving on from that, like I, I heard uh, you last week speak about this in another, uh, uh, I don't know if it was a podcast or just a discussion, but I, I heard that clip where you talked about the disparities in pay between uh, Pakistani uh, female cricketers and other top cricketers around the world, even in uh, compared to other cricketers in the region. So uh, I, I was wondering, you know, in, in term apart from like the PCB providing them uh, uh, better contracts, uh, uh, because obviously if better financial incent- uh, returns would incentivize more people to take up the sport. Uh, I, I wondered if there's a possibility for Pakistani players um, to uh, participate in leagues abroad. There are only like, to my knowledge, there is only the uh, Women's Big Bash League and there's a Women's 100. And Nida Dar has featured, I think, for one season uh, in the women's uh, for Sydney Thunder. So uh, uh, perhaps, you know, that, I, and I was really looking forward to it last year if Pakistanis would feature in the 100 uh, women's players, but they, they, they won't. I guess it's, there's a skill gap and these are very elite competitions, but I'd like to think that, you know, uh, uh, somebody like a Bisma Maru for Javeria or, or it, uh, you know, Nida has played for the BBL. She, she would have uh, managed to increase uh, uh, her pay retainer by playing one of these contracts and whether PCB can do to incentivize uh, other uh, these other leagues to hire uh, uh, Pakistani players, you know, something along the lines of, you know, the MOU that exists between Lahore, Kalandar and uh, York, uh, Yorkshire where they exchange players. So, uh, and uh, how do you see as ways where we could generally incentivize uh, better financial returns uh, for the women's uh, team? See, doing that with a foreign league is extremely difficult because every team has like two openings. So if you have like six teams or eight teams, you're talking about 12 to 16 mm-hmm. players. And if you're taking 12 to 16 players from uh, other countries, if they really want the cream of the lot, uh, it's very difficult that they'll reach till Pakistan. And if PCB really wants to do something, they'll have to fix the issues inside their house and not look elsewhere mm-hmm. for help. And uh, that 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 won't be possible because even when there was an opening, I I don't think Pakistani cricketers have strong enough agents to even coordinate all these movements. The first time Nida went there, there was some help with Andy Richards, who was the coach of uh, Pakistan team. But the kind of networking I'm, I'm I, I've experienced this uh, PCB is not doing enough to even reach out to these leagues when there were openings. But uh, having said that, you can't depend on overseas leagues to fix your problems. Uh, this has to happen in-house and it has to begin with a lot of things. It, it starts from like you'll see what are the motivations for in every story that you listen of these cricketers. What were the motivations at what point did the parents agree and said, OK, fine, play. A majority of the time it is either because you're photo has come in the newspapers which is sort of you know neighbors are happy it feels like you've achieved some mm-hmm. success and there is uh, an upward social mobility of sorts in that sense or when they are earning money they're bringing home money which is much needed which otherwise the rest of the family members are not able to get so the moment you cut down your domestic structure to 45 players and the rest are unable to bring in that sort of money it is a natural demotivator for parents if you're not in that top 45 Parents are not going to let you just play, you know, a year and let's see whether you can come next year uh, and get into that top 45. So 
they need to expand that pool they've removed departments from the structure because departments were hiring these cricketers and they were giving them permanent jobs i think even now zbl is still paying the cricketers who were on board with them earlier so financial incentive is a reality you can't run away from that especially in our countries uh, we i mean yeah i mean sports is not a profession that is whether it's for boys whether it's for girls even for guys they won't just let you play if you're not earning money it's very difficult uh, in 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 india or in pakistan and even more so with women because like in india uh, sorry in uh, with men's cricket yes livelihood is your basic criteria why parents sort of demotivate you to not get into sports they'll tell you okay you know concentrate on academics and all of that we don't have that culture where sports is promoted uh while for women that is an issue plus there are 100 more issues society pressures so marriage kids multiple yep. society yes 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 so it is for men if it's one issue for women it's one plus many more so uh that financial incentive is a huge deal to change minds to give hope to bring more cricketers into the setup because right now whether or not whatever the issue is there is a lack of women coming through to play cricket or any sport for that matter it's not just an issue with pakistan it's an issue with india as well within the subcontinent we just don't have that culture uh, so financial incentive is a huge motivator now if you see indian cricketers they are earning what again as i mentioned that the one test match 45 lakh uh, for playing four days of cricket if you can see yourself there and especially those who are good enough they know that to reach to the top is that much easier if you say find somebody like an aisha naseem if she if you're good enough to hit like that you know you'll get into the pakistani team today or tomorrow but if there is no financial incentive either why would anybody want you to go through the kind of struggles that they're going through i mean i mentioned in the book i have said it several times till 2018 world cup there were girls who were skipping meals during the world cup just so that they can save some money and take it back home if that is how you're going to turn up on the field to play against australia england or any other country then never mm-hmm. going to win uh so and the kind of coaches coaches are changing every other day like you need because these cricketers come raw into the national international setup because there's no structure at the domestic level it's a very weak setup so there they're trained and honed so you need coaches for longer periods they keep firing coaches even when they're doing a good job they're delivering results uh mark coles is a prime example he did everything that was expected and more the team was happy with him uh, he was delivering results yet now if the management the board has an issue over whatever differences that they had if you're going to sack him uh, then if it's if a new coach is going to come every 2 years that's going to be an issue I know Ramiz Raja likes these three-month coaches. Yeah. <laughs> Zainab loves a bit of Ramiz slander, so you just made her day. Oh my God! My <laughs> the point in the story where uh, uh, Ayush wrote about how Ramiz wrote to the uh, West Indies cricket board and told them uh, behind the back of the women's cricket board at the time uh, that they shouldn't tour Pakistan. My blood was literally boiling. I mean, he had his explanations <laughs> and reasons, but uh, uh, it was. Um, uh and he has since come around yeah. to like he's done things for women's cricket him he, he was the one who increased the uh, salary retainers in his current state but it was still like uh i mean i was like pretty shocked that 
the way he went about rationalizing it and it was uh, he didn't he, he didn't like say okay i shouldn't have done that he still like had his reasons he was justifying it that you know you know there had to be one board and so on and so forth but it was really uh, that was a serious point for me in the book where i was like what on earth but uh uh credit to him for admitting to it i was so surprised i put him that question immediately is like yeah i did that but these were my reasons why i did it like uh, thank you ramesh i mean very honest of him to be doing that but yeah again these are like personal equations but that is where all these personal vendettas when they have come together that is what has stopped the progress or sort of slowed down the progress of women's cricket if they can keep their personal differences aside which is sort of human but uh, maybe things would have been better can i just have one quick question about ramiz uh, you know this this you may not have an answer for this and i don't i definitely don't want you to reveal any particular names because i don't want to put anybody out obviously and neither would you but what is the impression generally within the women's team maybe uh, about ramiz as pcb chairman what is the general impression you get uh so i mean by the time i was done with my research ramiz uh hadn't joined as the chairman uh, back then so i'd done all my research when uh sn mani and uh, wasim okay. khan were okay. there as so there was nothing about ramiz ramiz was the ceo of pakistan cricket in around 2004 for 6 mm-hmm. months and that is where he wrote the letter also okay. so uh, he still made an impact and uh, shaiza absolutely what about wasim khan <laughs> what about wasim khan and uh, ehsan mani uh, not sure about ehsan mani nothing that came out but wasim khan was highly respected i mean the kind of things that happened during his tenure probably wouldn't have happened his tenure sort of accelerated the developments at a lower level but yes i mean he his hands were tied probably to cut it down to 45 uh, player domestic tournament but uh, the parental policy came under wasim khan which many believe had wasim khan not been there probably that would have never come uh, there was a, a significant pay hike across like not match fees and all but the retainers and other factors like uh, daily allowances and all of that so wasim khan did have a positive impact uh, on women thank you yeah, that, that... and asan mani also did by the way asan mani did genuinely try uh, to improve women's cricket i know that for a fact it didn't work out but he was trying uh, this is something that even shaiza told me uh, but eventually again he fell into a situation where he ended up having uruj mumtaz for every role <laughs> that you could find for cricket which wasn't the best thing but he had tried so full credit to him for he, that he tried to bring shazia back right but uh, they they, they yeah. didn't agree I, i think you're right i agree with that assessment that there was a lot of because that's when i've started following the team a little bit more so there is a lot of uh, uh, genuine goodwill and intent around that time just to like make women's cricket a priority focus on its development uh, they were a little bit uh, unlucky that covid happened so uh, the, uh, some of the things that they planned out didn't work uh, and uh, i i i'm really uh, the, you know f- i was looking forward to the english women's team coming to pakistan for those uh, t20 international the men's team came but we nobody has even talked yeah. about uh, the women's tour i did in that book why did the women's team not turn up nobody spoke about it the, 
men's team came up with a ridiculous explanation as to why they don't want to come to pakistan last year but the women's team was supposed to come why didn't they turn up and nobody even bothered to question it not even the pakistan cricket board uh I, that is where you know nobody there's absolutely no priority for this it just signals that quite obviously yes that, that's true and uh, uh this was kind of like my next question that you know uh, uh uh this is more about not just the pcb but in the region you know uh bcci has a lot of money and this is uh, something that they've talked about that they they want to start a women's psl ramesh talks about it it's almost like uh um uh it's become a contest that who who makes the taller claims but uh, uh they've been saying about these things for about a couple of seasons now but it hasn't materialized and, and i'm not at that point where i think it's these are empty promises and if uh, i i don't really get the feel that uh, uh these two boards have really like made it priority that they want to focus on women's cricket in the same way that they focus on the men's team is just you know something that's good for the optics when they do well okay you know so uh, uh do you think we've we've had that kind of leadership or just the vision right now where we are prioritizing women's cricket on the uh, on some footing let alone equal footing uh, as the men's uh, teams clearly i mean they know i mean even now Ramiz Raja announced there is going to be a women's PSL. Very quietly, they sent a press release that it's going to be a women's league. There is no PS mention of PSL in the last email, so I don't know if a PSL is even happening. I am quite updated with the the scene in India, and I am quite sure it's happening. But yes, I mean they, it's kind of obvious, you know. Everybody wants to have that image, that optics that they are the ones, the forward-thinking mm-hmm. people within the cricket fraternity. and uh, to put it out and now i mean it's becoming quite obvious with australia it's been what eight seasons now wbbl 100 has moved ahead cpl has come up with a women's league so they can't especially countries like india and pakistan can't afford to stay behind uh, india is already behind but high time this is this comes up and i mean some insane monies are projected for now let's see how that pans out but yes i mean clearly it, it is a battle of images Uh, which has always been the case so uh, i i hope you're like not short on time or anything i just have like a couple of more questions yes. uh, and i'm moving towards yes. the conclusion i promise so uh, this next question is like uh, it's my pet peeve on uh, people on uh, twitter who are who primarily follow the men's sport but uh, you know when world cups come around and there's some the women's team uh, somehow uh, gain uh, some uh, public they come into the public consciousness so uh, this is my request you uh, to you to like uh, educate these people uh, because uh, uh, when they see the team play because now sometimes the teams get televised uh, and so on so they come out with their excessively harsh criticism of the players skills level and the team's results overall so uh, of course it comes from a place of ignorance not knowing uh, the structural limitations and all the hindrances that the players have to cope with to even just play so uh, uh, you know given that you know the first central contracts were only awarded in 2010 and the first fitness coach ever for the women's team was a, a only hired in 2018 the first batting coach was also hired the same year so how would you how do you think in terms of 
skill and talent and training how pakistan fares compared to the top sides like england and australia and even regional sides like india is it really fair to expect our girls to outperform these sides when we have uh, such a limited talent pool of players so few resources allocated to improving their situation so little infrastructure and all the inconducive socio cultural environment so you know how should a fan following pakistan's uh, women's cricket team what should their outlook be towards the team i i don't know about uh, what the outlook should be because yeah it's entertainment i mean yeah it, it's sort of a bit of a put off i can give information it's on them to read it really and uh, educate themselves or whatever i don't know but uh, the thing is i mean it's it's a no match in terms of the kind of facilities they mm-hmm. get the kind of coach they get the kind of grounds the kind of money to even get the bats and they, it's not even a match with the australians mm-hmm. they don't even have the same number of bats forget about the quality of those bats uh they are not getting that nutrition forget about nutrition as i mentioned they are not even getting three meals they are not even having three meals and going to the ground all the time so there is no chance i mean it, it amazes me it has amazed me for a long time the fact that pakistan is even among the top 8 countries in the mm-hmm. world today given the kind of structural and social and financial limitations that they have to deal with to be where they are to even beat india they beat india recently uh it's not a chance like i mentioned even in that talk today an indian cricketer will earn playing just one test match earn more than what a pakistani cricketer will earn by playing an entire year all the domestic cricket matches all the international matches all the retainers everything put together it is that wide and bigger gulf today so unless you're comparing it with bangladeshis who also get paid better than the pakistani cricketers uh there is no match uh, uh in terms of that so fans i don't know are they really i don't know if they're fans but it's just like they're representing pakistan uh so if they were fans they would have probably known what is going on and they would have seen them mm-hmm. perform uh and all of that. because a lot of them just turn up after the match is over if they've beaten a big team they'll come to celebrate if they've lost to a smaller team they'll come to thrash them because they just think they're just they must be as good as the pakistani men's team are and uh, i wouldn't blame them because before learning i also assume they're probably just as good and have the same kind of issues that indian cricketers have it's not mm-hmm. the same and i also learned that through educating myself by talking to these cricketers and understanding their world life and everything else so yes i mean i i don't have any advice to give to any fans but yeah There's indirectly no you just did basically <laughs> yeah I, I, i'll 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 add that people really need to educate themselves and keep their expectations in check like we're a very uh, young teams in terms of where we are in our history so even if we were to pump in like a lot of money into the system it would still take like 5 years 6 years at least from where i'm seeing it for the results of that to start showing up like mm-hmm. in terms of like titles and so on because of all the structural issues there exist so we really need to be patient and like take whatever the team does um you know and build from there so you know to 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 conclude uh a discussion i think the the jazba side of these 83 women who have represented pakistan you know it unveils itself in 
in the way they basically defied the odds to play i mean the fact that there is a team and they are playing is their biggest achievement so uh uh, uh any victory of sorts uh, anything they do on the field after that is a bonus that's how i see it so um to wrap it up if i could ask you to like make one final pitch for your book and uh, for our listeners and uh, remind them uh, where they can buy the book from if they want to how they can buy it i am terrible at pitching this part <laughs> yeah this is <laughs> if you want any information on pakistan women's cricket and their first 25 years of their uh, playing days it is available in this book it is uh, some stunning stunning stories i mean not because i wrote it because these players went through what they did to be able to play for pakistan uh, it's available everywhere globally except in pakistan i guess uh, unfortunately i don't have publishers there but yeah if you're in us you're in canada you're in uk you're in india you're in australia wherever you are on amazon it's there and also at a lot of local bookstores in uk in india and a lot of places yeah are um, you in, in are you in talks so, with yeah. pakistani publishers like independent publishers uh, are they sort of is there any interest i mean there must be right yes there is an interest but yeah the, pay, the documents and all the signings are yet to okay. be done so hopefully it's happening soon uh, in a few months but yes pakistan was the toughest to crack <laughs> uh, because the readership was very low they were telling that not a lot of people read and especially on women's cricket had it been men's cricket maybe it would have been easier i guess but at least the, at least the libraries yeah, at least the is, libraries in the big cities should at least you know get copies so that people can rent you know e- even if they're not going to have it at the yeah. either way because uh, i know and there's some in india and pakistan so books can't even go from yeah. india to pakistan i can't even give to someone so yeah that is an issue zainab how did you find the book i, I love the book i mean uh, i have to tell you like i said it was written in a in a narrative style so it was not like uh, it was not like a boring history book of like oh this happened and this happened and this happened and and the way the stories of the players came across it was really touching and moving and uh, i think it, it, these stories need to go out and they need to be heard and i was like especially uh, uh you know the the early part uh, how how for example they fled to new zealand to play that test and they got the uh, uh they were actively people were actively trying to stop them and they ran across to another uh, airport in karachi it, there was like a drama like there was like a tension building up and it was like i was like this could be uh, turned into a really nice movie or something and i hope someday you know somebody sits down because that has uh, you know uh, in popular culture i, I you know there's been dangal and chakde india and so on so the story of women playing sport when it, it uh as you just said there's uh, not many people that read in india and pakistan is in pakistan especially on women's cricket so i hope if there's any uh, uh producers out there or anything please get in touch with uh, ayush and uh, um, you know uh, this can this has the potential to be turned into a really good uh, movie even uh, about how uh, the uh, story should, of pakistan we should get a clip of this and just tag every producer in pakistan <laughs> we can think of just like sort of just yeah spam them <laughs> but thank you so much uh, to yeah. both of you, uh, you. ayush um, i haven't read the book yet as i said uh, i really 
want to read the book, I will read the book. Um, I will order it. Uh, luckily, I'm not in Pakistan, so I can get it, the copy. Um, and uh, thank you <laughs> yeah. so much, Zainab, for reading the book, for coming up with all the questions, uh, for asking the questions during the interview. Um, and uh, hopefully the podcast will come out sometime soon. Uh, and I hope people listen to it. But more importantly, I hope they get the book. And uh, even more importantly, I hope a publisher in Pakistan <laughs> gets the book so that people can, because <laughs> there are, you know, there may not be a huge market, but, you know, we know the people already like Iman or Alvina, um, Hijab, I'm sure all of yeah. them, and not just women, uh, you know, there are a lot of people who want to read the book and uh, you've got some great endorsements. Uh, I, you know, I saw Usman Samyuddin and others uh, have endorsed it as well. So um, if people need any more convincing, uh, I hope uh, after listening to this podcast, uh, they will jump and get the book. So thank you so much, Zainab. Thank you so much, Ayush. Take care. Thank you. Thank you, Sami. Talking to you guys. Thank Thanks. you. This was a really fun conversation. Thank you, Ayush. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Before I finish, I just want to say thank you to Dekobe for letting me use his music. You can donate to my Patreon page if you would like to help me in continuing to do these podcasts. Links with information about the guests, the music, and the Patreon page can be found in the podcast description. Thank you. Sports Social Podcast Network.